You're listening to a podcast made the Johnsonville way. Welcome to another episode of Off the Clock, a podcast made the Johnsonville way. And today you have Frederick Meyer. We do not, however, have Joe and Jeff. So we're just going to be kind of doing this uh, solo. Fred! Fred, what's going on, bud? Uh, you're a little late. Uh, you said uh, you were going to be here a little earlier. Uh, nope. Fred, what Fred are you broke doing? In. Fred, broke what in. are you doing with the microphone? How did he set this yeah. whole thing up? Everything is running, Fred. This, this man's a genius. We should have had him on from the beginning. Fred, uh, what's going on right now? I, I apologize. Why are we 25 <laughs> minutes into recording? <laughs> You've been here quite a while. I just kind of wanted to get started with Fred, I heard ideas. talking coming out of the room <laughs> right before I opened the door. And I see you standing, sitting in front of a microphone. Clearly, Jamie, security here, Ugh. is not up to standard. Fred, how far have you gotten? <laughs> well, I've got all the way to the Johnsonville story. The Johnsonville, so you're on the clock story? So I'm oh, Good, that's the hard part. We've that's already awesome. got it started. Thank okay. you very much for opening the podcast for us. Uh, Fred, so what is your on the clock story, if you don't mind? So what do you do at Johnsonville? So I am a packaging member over at Riverside on second shift. And I also have a certified trainer role, uh, as well as the packaging paperwork specialist uh, tag along with it. Awesome. How long have you been at Johnsonville? Uh, I've been here since 2016. 2016. Wow. Have you been in pack the whole time? Uh, yes, for okay. the most part. A couple. For the, uh, for the most part, meaning like a, like a day or two or maybe a week maybe oh, okay. here at another plant helping out. Okay. But okay. for the most part, What yep. other plants did you go to? Yeah. So I've worked at Countryside for about a week, just helping out with... Like training or something, or...? Uh, not a whole bunch of training. It was more customization. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yep, yep, yep. Back. Good old customization. Joe and I have worked at Countryside. Ooh, yes. We're aware of the customization. <clears throat> mm-hmm. A lot of fun. A lot of Very fun. Very good. Did you like it over there? I did. Yep. The break room, the the whole atmosphere over there <laughs> was it. totally like, different. Hey, what's your favorite the, subject the in raw. school? Gym. Recess. <laughs> What did you like about Countryside? <laughs> the break room. Yep. <laughs> so I good. love it. I love it. Oh That's great, my. though. It really is. Like, it's fun when other members, like, if you've only been at one facility and then you go to another facility, Yeah. it's like it's like Wizard of Oz. You have no idea what to expect. Everything's new. Everybody's singing and dancing. You don't understand what's going on. I missed out on that one. You didn't get that? No. No. Mm. Mm. Wow. What, <laughs> what class were you in? Jeez. <laughs> Singing and dancing. Uh, no. Oh, Fred, were you singing and dancing in the auto, break rooms? Auto line. Auto line. <laughs> they sing and dance, that's for sure. 2013. I, um. <laughs> <laughs> I was not singing and dancing. <laughs> but I was over at Meadowside as well for uh, a couple of weeks, helping out when they were short, and we were slow at Riverside. I was doing the impingement line. I was doing basically the same thing I would do over at Riverside, mm. just the standard line. Uh, the links, breakfast patties, and sausages. 
other than that, I haven't really been too many other places. I have worked like a day or two in sanitation briefly, uh, smoking as well. But otherwise, it's mainly all just been Riverside Pack. That's awesome, though. I'm That's it's really, really good. It's really cool that you've helped out all the other Absolutely. places. Absolutely. That's weight. I mean, a lot of people put stock and weight on the fact that, oh, I've been in all these different positions. But really, just your willingness to help out other teams, mm-hmm. even though you're not a part of that team, is, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So, so Fred, I don't think you've answered this yet, but what is your favorite part about working at Johnsonville? So my favorite part about working at Johnsonville is – the continuous improvement, the stretching and growing, you know, the challenges that we face every day. There's an endless amount of opportunities to learn new things and to get better. And that ultimately is what I really like about Johnsonville is they really care about you. They don't want you failing or just getting by. You're actually doing the best you can do. And that's that, that really means a lot. So you don't feel like you're like stagnant or, or sitting in one spot, and right? Because you just said that you've been in pack for the majority of your time, but correct. Just because you've been in pack doesn't mean that you're bored, right. right? Yeah, there's always new things to learn, like different things to help out with and take on, and and really, really learn a lot about the machines. You might not be a machine operator, might not be might not be maintenance, but if you can learn more and help out in different roles and be more useful as to just, well, this guy's really good at working on the line, but this guy also knows a little bit about these machines too. So for troubleshooting, you know, the handyman sort of, so to speak, mm. that's also a great thing as well. Yeah. And I've also heard I, the feedback um, I get just from my actual job is, uh, you know, I work with Jeff and Sarah and Caitlin there at Riverside who are the learning development specialists. And so then the certified trainers works with them quite a bit. And uh, your name has trickled to the top many times as our maybe, maybe our best trainer at Riverside. So I think there's also something to be said for those who do step up and be our trainers and take it seriously and actually do like take really good ownership of it. Because a lot of the times when we have new members, there's trainers aren't the greatest and it creates kind of a bad impression on all of Johnsonville and um, I think the fact that Fred is many times have been has been mentioned as a great trainer is something to be uh, pretty proud of there but kudos to you dude oh thanks a lot yeah I try I try sometimes it's hard and it's just sometimes I just forget because you've been here for so long that it's like oh I forgot to tell you the, the very basics but we just have to sometimes take a step back and be like, oh, yep, I was once new as well. So you have to understand where they're coming from as as trainees as well. So mm-hmm. seeing both sides of the uh, equation is good. <clears throat> Fred. Frederick. Is that what it was? Frederick? Frederick. Yep. Yeah, I wasn't here for that. <laughs> so yeah. we have no idea who you are. because yeah. You started it out without us. <laughs> so Fred, Frederick, what, what do you prefer? So my parents usually call me Frederick, but Fred is good. Okay, Fred. Fred is usually what everybody goes by. It's short. It's easy. They even yeah. call you Frederick when they're not yelling at you? They even call me Frederick when they're not yelling mm. at me. Mm. Sometimes it's even Freddy. Like my cousins used to call me what? that. My Wait. sister used to Can call me Can we call you Freddy? Hey, Freddy. You could call me Freddy if you want. But, Done. But, but, I, no, but Fred is good. Now, you be be aware here <laughs> that if you put that out on this podcast and everybody hears it, they are going to start calling you Freddy. You have one in one chance only here to clarify. <laughs> yes. Because 
Nobody call him Freddy. <laughs> ever. Don't call him As Freddy. Joe's highly winking. I am going to want to call him Freddy. That's a good point. Mm. So if you, yeah. That's just, a good point. Just letting you know. This well, anyways, is, this is going to go out to tens and tens of people. I'm going to call you Frederick because I, I think this is quite sophisticated. So, Frederick, please, sir, so, so would you mind telling us what your off-the-clock story is, please? Yes, the off-the-clock story time. Perfect. What everybody's been waiting for. Absolutely. Your entire... So, I, folks, folks, I'm cutting him off. This is just what I do. Um... The entire second shift pack team approached me at Riverside, and they were like, Joe, you need to – don't, we don't care what Fred talks about. We don't care why Fred talks about it. We just need Fred on this podcast. I don't know why they're so excited about it. International Man of Mystery. It must be. But, Fred, you are the guy You're that the everybody re- wants to know about. Most requested uh, yes. Literally. Since this started back up again, people are like, Fred Meyer. Yeah, you get Fred Meyer on there. Uh, no, it's uh, Frederick Meyer. Sorry. It's Frederick <laughs> Meyer. No, Frederick Meyer. Not with the voice again. No? No. You don't like the voice? I, don't, I hate it. Oh. I'm not going to lie. Wow. Okay. Well, strong opinions. Fred, why does everybody want to hear you on a podcast? So today, I'm going to be talking about four different things. And I think before we, we jump on into all of it, Let's just first talk about when I was younger. My parents got me signed up for a bowling league. And I was on a bowling league for the majority of my youth uh, life. And I was basically bowling since I was like, I think, six years old. So like first grade, I seen the bowling uh, sign up for fall leagues. I signed up. And I've been bowling ever since. And then after I graduated, then the youth kind of came to an end and I fell off. So that's why I'm just going to briefly mention about basically my upbringing of bowling and how it all affected me, how I started out. I was actually getting quite a bit of bad scores. I was getting like lots of zeros. I couldn't couldn't hit any pins. And this is like right when you started bowling? Yes. When I first started bowling, I was... As a six-year-old. Yeah, I don't As think anyone's expecting you to hit the pins. I think zeros are a Wait, pretty common thing. Was this gutter ball? I mean, like, did they have the guards up? I was hoping they would have the bumpers up, but no, yeah, this, yeah, was, this yeah. was just straight up bowling. So they're like, you're going to need to be good at bowling at six years old. So they were <laughs> expecting... Prodigy. He was a yeah. prodigy. They, they were expecting at least me to keep it on the lane and... <laughs> The problem is, is like I was using the wrong fingers. I'm 36 and I can't keep the darn thing in the lane. <laughs> I don't know what triple digits are bowling. People get that? I was using a right-handed bowling ball. By the way, I'm a lefty. Oh, that seems I was, important. I was throwing it off the left foot, which I should have been throwing it off my right foot, sweeping my foot over. So I was doing a lot of things wrong that I didn't even realize until I actually had a coach, uh, a bowling coach, actually show me some of the ways that I could correct and fix. So over the years, after I think I went a whole entire season, not all zeros in the games, but I was quite, quite worried about, am I going to be able to knock down any pins? What am I, what's going to happen? And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, well, after a few weeks of working with the coach, trying a different approach and technique, I find out that, hey, I finally hit a couple of pins. And I was excited. <laughs> Even though it wasn't a strike, I finally kept the ball out of the gutter. And at that point, 
I really kind of enjoyed bowling more and more because it's like, hey, I think I found a way to keep it out of the gutter now. I, shot after shot, I was at least hitting the pins. Maybe not straight on, but I was hitting them. And then I start getting really good to the point to where I start getting competitive with my teammates on my team. And each week it's the team versus the team. Basically, it's total pinfall. And I was wondering if there was more to it than just one versus one. So there was. There was an actual bracket like throughout the year. We had wins and losses. We basically had like a little tournament style fashion play at the bowling alley. And then they've also had basically it was where we could bowl in a tournament uh, against other bowling alleys in Sheboygan County. And so was this was this bowling alley the one that's in Cascade? Yes. Okay. At the time, it was Sealy Lanes. Okay. And this was probably like 15 years ago. Well, probably 20 years ago. Okay. Way back when. So you're still like six or seven doing these tournaments? Yes. Really? Okay. Jeez. Wow. So All right. I wasn't big into the tournaments back then at that young, young age, back when I wasn't the greatest. But yeah. after about four or five years on the league, then I start signing up for some of these youth scholarship tournaments that yeah. I got into and I noticed. And that's when I start, you know, meeting some of these other good bowlers as well and talking to them a little bit as we were competing yeah. in regular match play and qualifying. And I found out that, you know, some of these bowlers had like, you know, their own bowling shoes. They had like certain fingertips. They had their own powder. They had their own glove. All these different things about My bowling. Goodness. And you had none of it. <clears throat> and yeah, I, I, I like knew about some of it, but I, I didn't have any of it. I was just bowling with just a regular <laughs> bowling ball off the shelf. At oh the bowling man. alley. He's like, I was bowling with a rock. <laughs> like, else I screwed in. these holes myself right here. <laughs> and after a while, I'm like, well, okay, well, let's just start trying to upgrade and see what I can do and see where I can take this. Because mm. I was starting to like average like right around like 50, 60 pins a game with a decent handicap. I'm like, well, if I don't win with regular pins, I'll win with handicap. That's for sure. Okay. And the league was a little bit the, – the tournament was a little bit different because the tournament obviously had more pressure, more people. You had more oil in the lanes. It was a little bit different than just your normal league play every week, different faces, all that. And so I, I gave it a shot, and I remember that I didn't do so good in the first few tournaments uh, as expected, but after I was maybe in high school, I was really getting good. I was averaging right around 160, 170. And by the time I was all set and done, I was closer to the 200 average, like 185, I think 190, maybe my final year of league play. I forget now. It's been so long. Yeah. Mm. But my highest game I ever bowled was a 246, and that was back in league play. That was during a year I, I actually bowled at Anchor Lanes, um, and it was – a great game i started the game off with five strikes and i was excited i was like wow this might be my first ever 300 game right here and then i think i got two more strikes after that fifth frame but then i think i got a nine pins and i missed the spare otherwise i would have been like the 270s so the high game was yeah 246 after that so for those of you who can't aren't here with us live uh, Fred's actually referring to what is this like a, a little trophy or something that you got for it or like a plaque? Yeah. yeah. It, so it's like a plaque. And what does it say on there? I, I, so it's it, upside down for me. Yeah. So it just says Anchor Lanes Yaba Youth Association uh, Bowling Association Association. Sure. Uh, Saturday second shift, 2005, 2006. This was back when I was 15, 16 years old, back in high school. And ah, the good old days. <laughs> 
Boys High Game, uh, Fred Meyer, 246. So that was that was you're the highest score in the whole league, like during that whole season kind of thing. Yep. So that it's oh, pretty good. So that year back in league play, that was the high game that anybody had rolled all season, and so the plaque kind of came for the highest game. That's cool. Uh, I believe that was just the boys' high game. I think they also had a plaque for the girls' high game. Mm-hmm. They also had plaques for like the highest series. We bowled three games each week. And then there was obviously a whole bunch of badges. I've got countless badges at home I could have brought in as well. Fred was bragging a little bit earlier, saying he had so much stuff, but he didn't want to bring it all in. Yeah. And we thanked him for that. <laughs> and uh, so well, he, Our room he, isn't big enough. Yeah. And he wanted to leave a bunch here and hang it up on the walls. Yeah. It was weird. It was like, weird. Yeah, Anyways. Fred, you can't have this room. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, Fred wait, break, did bring this in. So it must have been. Do you think it's like one of your biggest accomplishments, would you say, or up there? Yeah, it's one of the biggest ones. Uh, 246 is hard to get. It's going to require you to get quite a few strikes. And if you do open up a frame, you probably can only open up one frame to get that kind of a score. Mm. So it was definitely a game that I still remember today that I think that I only missed one spare, and that was a single pin. Mm. Other than that, I like I said, I strung together five strikes to start the game. I got that open frame in the sixth, seventh, and eighth frame. I did end up with strikes. And I think I spared Man, the He remembers this as if it was like I yesterday. I would. Is there like some photo of you holding up the like the score sheet at the time or something like that? Or so was I it never, electronic? I yeah, know. there was an electronic scorecard that was printed out. I did print that for my own records. Mm, gotcha. I may nice. or may not have that in my junk drawer. Mm. I'm not sure. <laughs> but I do remember that. And at least I at least I got this plaque here just to remind me mm-hmm. of that because I don't think I still have the sheet yet, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. But it so, was good. At what point in your play did you because you made mention before we were recording that you're a lefty? Yes. When did you realize that that was a thing? So I was a lefty. I I, I knew I was a lefty right away, but when I was throwing the right-handed bowling balls, I I knew something was wrong because the fingers didn't match up with the holes. Like hmm. you know, obviously the the middle finger should have been a bigger hole than obviously your ring finger or your pointer finger. So I was using the wrong fingers as well. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I was using my pointer finger and the middle <gasps> finger this whole time mm-hmm. bowling. And then as my coach had picked up, he said, "Hey, hang on a sec." He says, "You're not using your ring finger when you when you throw the bowling ball." And I'm like, "No, I I think I'm using the right fingers." And I end up using the ring finger, and I'm like, okay, now it actually fits right, like better. It had a better feel. You could get a better yeah. rip on the bowling ball. And they found you like a left-handed ball then too? And I, and they did find me a left-handed gotcha, bowling okay. ball. Oh, very good. <coughs> most of those bowling alleys, they only have like 90% are all for righties. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not well, so then to find lefties. one light enough for you as a six-year-old or whatever too. Right. Hmm. Right. Have you ever seen the movie The Big Lebowski? <laughs> I have not. Oh, you have not. Really? I recommend I you not. watch that oh. movie. I think you would enjoy it. I, think I have should. heard it, but I have not seen For, it. Yeah, it's a classic bowling uh, movie. It's very, very anyway, fun. Moving um. on. <laughs> <laughs> I am. So you were talking earlier about doing these tournaments and then realizing all these other guys had such fancy equipment. Did you end up getting like uh, all that stuff? And then did it make a big difference? Does it make a big difference or not? Yeah. So I got. In fact, I was just using the in-house bowling ball, yep. and I end up getting my own bowling ball pre-drilled, sized, and then obviously with that, I had to get myself a bowling bag. I've got my own bowling shoes. i got a pair of Dexters that need a little bit of repair, so I haven't used them lately, but that was back in the day. 
And then after that, I figured, well, hey, why not just get two bowling balls? Because most of these guys that I'm bowling with have two bowling balls. I'm like, why are they using two? It's like, I mean, if you're good enough at one, you shouldn't need two, right? What's what's the deal with that? And I, I was talking more with my bowling coach, and he said, well, he says a lot of times on spares, you want to use more of a plastic ball so it doesn't uh, kind of draw away from the pins. And so he says this is more or less so it doesn't hook so aggressively. And so if you have like a hard say a seven pin if you're a lefty you know you can angle it straight at it with a plastic ball you won't have to worry about the hook very interesting See, i had I no idea I had so it's like a first idea. throw ball and then like a second throw ball. really yep i always thought the I've second was a lot heavier my entire life See, i always when i play i always get a really heavy ball that you're just kind of like slowly shoving down the lane <laughs> like just here you go little boy like, uh, like a like a semi truck like a semi truck going straight down the thing the other one's like a sports car. Weaving in <laughs> weaving in our traffic there. I don't know. <laughs> yep. I don't know anything about this. Jeff, if we could just let the professional talk about it, please. <laughs> oh, is that why he's there? Oh, I thought yeah. we were okay. He has said zero things about <laughs> semi trucks going down. It's lane. an analogy, Joe, you wouldn't understand. <laughs> yes. So come back from that one. Fred is Fred. so upset with us. Fred's right like, now. I am what do I say now? Well, like, I wish I was balls. just doing this podcast on my own. <laughs> well, he had the right idea. Well, the bowling balls, you know, the first bowling ball that you throw, you want to typically have it be a little bit more aggressive, and you want to have it hook on the lane. So you do kind of want it a little bit heavier. It'll give a little bit better pin action. And the one that I use is 16 pounds, which for me is, yes, it's heavy, but you don't have to necessarily throw it super fast. You just need to get some revs behind it. And then as far as the spare ball goes, yeah, that for me is like a 14-pounder. It's a little bit lighter. I try to shoot it more straight or angle it right at the pins, and I don't really have to worry about it hooking too much on me uh, in terms of like a single-pin spare. As far as the other equipment goes, let's see, what haven't I mentioned yet? Um, the only thing I'm really missing is basically just an outfit. An outfit? Well, if you should watch Kingpin, then... Uh, Go on. <laughs> then you get one of his outfits because uh, it's not Chevy Chase. It's Bill Murray. Bill Murray has quite yes. the eccentric outfits in that movie. I don't know that I've ever seen Kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> I the thought there worst. was only one. You're the worst. There's only. Have one. you seen this movie? No. There's only. You should watch one it. One Have you watched it, Joe? No, I haven't either. Just, <laughs> just thought I'd say. There's only it. one bowling movie in the world, and that is The Big Lebowski. Kingpin. Better. Kingpin. Fred, we're so yes. sorry to be on your podcast. Um, so you made mention, though, that this was something that you did maybe in your younger years, eh? Yeah. So yeah. I, I did do it all the way up through high school. I think okay. I was 17. My last year, I was able to sign up for the youth bowling uh, leagues. Okay. And then after that, it was more or less adults, and I never really followed up through with it after high school. It was more into college and all that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that I kind of stopped doing after I was 18, I'll say. I think I turned 18 that year, the last year of league play, graduated. And then after that, I kind of went through a phase change, and I'm like, what can I do now? So bowling kind of was more or less still fun, but it was more or less a pastime okay. at that point. All right. So how often do you bowl now then? So yeah. n- so now I maybe only bowl like once a year. Like maybe for New Year's I'll really? go bowling or whatever. And just whoop much. up on everybody. <laughs> Yeah. 300 games I, over and over. I saved what I got. You know, I, I'm still pretty accurate when I shoot. 
when I rule. Uh, it's just do you just not find any more enjoyment in it, or or you you're all bowled out? Like I don't know. I guess you can say I'm kind of all bowled out. We used to bowl three three games every week on league play, and mm. it was like twenty five to thirty weeks during each season. Sure. And not to mention we had practice for like 10, 15 minutes before we did league play. We had tournaments. So I, I guess you can say I'm all bowled out, but like I, I currently need to get my bowling ball redrilled because okay. the fingers have gotten a little bit swollen up over the years. And where I would like to get my bowling ball redrilled, uh, unfortunately the guy had retired now at the pro shop. Oh, okay. boo. And I mean, good for so, him. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> And so I kind of just gave it up. I'm using kind of like that when I go bowling. And, in fact, I'm actually oh. using the in-house shoes as well because the sole and the other pair of Dexters uh, let go. So I'm kind of using going back to Sounds basics again, okay, but yeah. I still got the skill yet. I love it. Mm. So what I transitioned into next then, uh, I also am an avid coin collector. Coin collector. So I collect U.S. coins. And this is like something you jumped into right after high school? Or do you think you were doing it during high school too a little bit? or? So I would say a little bit in high school I was doing coin collecting. I was, I would say, doing more or less like the wheat pennies. Okay. I wasn't into it too high stakes until I start going to like auctions and I start noticing like garage sales and, hey, I got some coins. You know, it's like, oh, let's see the coins. Yeah, can we just... What makes a coin worth collecting? A coin worth collecting. Hmm. I mean, what see. are the different? I mean, there ha- are there categories? It's a are they? It's a monetary thing. Is that what it is? Like they're more rare. Like, like depending on the stamp or like where it was produced or the year, if there's a misprint or a misstamp on it, all that kind of stuff makes it more rare, more valuable. And so then you know that's. Fred why. is nodding in approval. Do you also collect coins? I just know a lot of things about. Very little about a lot of things. Very good. Okay. Yes. Well, Fred, please yep. fill us in on the a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I collect coins, U.S. coins mainly, uh, w- from wheat pennies. It could. What's be a wheat? You said wheat. A penny? wheat. A wheat back penny. What is, is that? A wheat back penny. I have no idea. So they were. Don't look at me that way. Don't look at me in that tone of voice, Jeff. I okay. So when you were a kid, didn't you like get coins and then realize, oh, that one's different. Because and it had something different on the backside, like a wheat penny, or like you ever get like a Canadian quarter at some point, and you're like, oh, what is this, mom, dad? And then they absolutely, but I not to the point where I would, but like you, you, you notice them though, right? Sure, but okay. I didn't know that there was and a name for and a friend wheat, did too. Friend wheat did too. penny, yeah, cause it's got a little weed on the back, like yeah, it's like a little wheat, wheat back. It's W H E A T, Joe, wheat, wheat, yeah, okay, I just. No, that's the, what the I look said. on your face made me question yeah, what kind of I think herbage just, was on the back side of that, right. But anyways, uh, so wheat pennies, what are other coins in that are worth collecting? So there is also something called buffalo nickels, shield nickels. Uh, Obviously, the buffalo nickels have the buffalo on the back. Um, Shield nickels. And this has been some time that I've done this as well. I've kind of fell out of this phase as well. So this was like my interphase back in college and high school years. But the V-back nickel has like a V on the back side of it. Uh, which is a Roman numeral for five cents. Then there was some other coins as well way back in the day that I collected as well. I just can't think of. But then there's these dimes, like the Liberty Head dimes, quarters. And so basically all these are just older coins that you know, kind of out of circulation now that you can't find them just 
going to the store and getting change back. You kind of mm-hmm. have to go out of your way. And a lot of times, like, older folks would, like, maybe have a big bucket of change. And, like, I've seen that where, like, you'll buy that. I uh, and then you'll go Jeff, through it, and there might be some stuff in there. I have one of those. Are you one of them old folks I just mentioned? Allegedly, but I but I mean, like I, these. Uh, these my are grandpa like, was a. <laughs> it was empty at the time I acquired this. Okay, but he's, he's a retired police officer in Madison. Okay, was and um he he had this giant pig jar, like it, not just a pig, but like it was a cop. It was a pig cop jar. But it was probably yep. three feet tall. Oh, really? And oh, so wow, okay. ever since I, I got that, I have put all of my coins in there. And so he had it like halfway filled in your... No, it was empty. Oh, okay. I have put all the coins... Well, but all your coins you're putting in there are like newer coins. They're, they're not valuable. You got to get the coins well, your I grandpa put in there. I don't know if they're valuable or not. I don't, literally, I, I could find it on the street and I'll throw it in there. Because nobody, nobody uses coins anymore. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, <laughs> I don't know. I just, <clears throat> anyways, Fred, keep well, going on. on coins. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff looks at me like he's so disappointed. I like you're like nobody uses coins anymore. He's just well, an old man. <laughs> to piggyback off that, there's there was an auction that had five thousand wheat pennies uh, up for sale. Wow. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I gotta hurry up and do the math in my head. How much is that face value? 5,000 wheat pennies. I'm thinking, how much is that real quick? As like the guy is holding up the bag and he's like, all right, well, who will give me, you know, $100 for it or whatever. And I'm thinking, oh, I can't. I was just so fascinated by the big bag of wheat pennies, 5,000. And it was a big bag. I'm thinking, how much is this face value? Because I'm trying to figure, well, maybe five cents, maybe per wheat penny. Hmm. Sounds about standard. And you said it was 5,000 of them? It was 5,000 of them. So here he is just kind of asking for bidders, and I'm like, well, uh, I guess I'll go ahead and jump in. You know, why not? And I end up winning it, and I find out, I'm like, okay, so these are all obviously circulated wheat pennies, meaning that they've been in circulation. None of them are mint are mint uh-huh. condition yeah. or pristine. Some might be about uncirculated, but if you, get, if you find the right one with the right mint mark, you could be well over what you spent on all of the whole bag of whatever hundred dollars for the whole bag hmm. and it was just really neat going through each one of those i remember week after week i usually pu- pulled out the whole bag and i went through a quarter of the bag and I looked at it next week i might look at some more with the identifying glass magnifying glass okay yep i see that this one is an s mint this one might be worth a little more a d mint for denver and that was fa- that was very fascinating too so i got that but like i said my my coin of choice would probably be the morgan silver dollars and is so that what's in front of you right now yes okay those are those are morgan silver dollars uh back from the 1800s late 1800s oh wow early 1900s so they're definitely over a century year old how what's the the value of those the value of these uh traditionally if they're just in circulated condition they could be probably the silver price would probably be around like 30 35 dollars for the coin okay well, but if they are mint state like these ones here and graded by a third-party numismatic guarantee corporation company, it can be upwards of a couple thousand dollars. So these ones here aren't worth a thousand dollars. These are just a couple <laughs> of standard ones that okay. might be worth like a hundred, hundred and fifty. Nice. I, I, I didn't look up the value. I do have a coin book. I could look them up. 
Uh, this one is just a standard 1886 MS-64 mint hmm. state. And in a mint state 63, this is a 1879. So it's a little bit a little bit general, but the mint state, if anybody's wondering, they go up to a grade of 70 would be perfect. And if it's like 63 or 64, generally you can see a few scratches on the face of the coin uh, before it got graded. But once it's in this coin holder and it's graded, it is guaranteed that they will remain in that condition. So you don't ever really want to tamper with the, the placards or holders like that. And some of them even have like a tone like to them. Like this one actually looks like it's got a little bit of a tone. What is a tone? So a tone would be more or less like a little rainbow with it. And I'm not sure if that comes from the light, if that comes from like a little bit of a Do you mind if I... Or like a humidity maybe in like the room that you're So it's the actual color of it, huh? Is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah. Because if you look at this one here... Yep, yep. That one's more silver. It's more silver and the other one's got a little bit of a toning to it. Some Mm -hmm. of them actually get so rainbow colored, like you can actually see all the colors of the rainbow on the coin, which is really unique. And that makes it more valuable, I'm guessing? And, yes, coin oh. collectors actually really go after the ones that are super toned like that. I did not know that. And it I does draw the value up. You would think it actually wrecks the coin in mm-hmm. the, the face value. Yeah. But it actually, it's more sought after. It's more of a collector's piece at that point. Wow. So your collection, how many how many coins do you think you have total? Oh, my gosh. That's a good question, hey. Uh, so I've got... You've got 5,000 wheat pennies, right? I've got 5,000 <laughs> wheat pennies just in the one burlap bag, which is in one safe. And I've got probably like four or five safes. I shouldn't oh, wow. probably be advertising all that. But I and do And your have address is... <laughs> yes. It's at, the, it's, a, it's at the bank safe. Ah, there you go. There it is. <laughs> the bank yes, safe. the bank safe. So there the address is, is irrelevant. Um, but I would have to say, honestly... Just knowing that I've got the 5,000 wheat pennies and I've got a couple other ice cream buckets that are pretty much full as well. Wow. Judging by the weight of those, I if I, if, if, if I exclude all the wheat pennies, mm-hmm. I, I would probably still have over 1,000 collector's coins. And Ranging from what? So you got wheat penny all the way on through to silver dollars or you got something even like bigger than silver dollars? or Yeah, so silver. So, so the dollar, I think I the dollar is the biggest coin I think that I collect. Okay. I do have 50 cent pieces. I do have, you know, quarters, nickels, dimes. Um, is there a certain time frame you want to like y- you're interested in? Yeah, so I, I'm I would be going back like as far as like the late 1700s. Okay. The late, late 1700s. All the way up to even today, like there's Liberty or there's even um, Silver Eagles okay. that I was kind of collecting a few years before COVID and all that. Mm. But then I stopped collecting that again. So I kind of fell out of the coin collecting. Oh, not that I fell out of it, but I just haven't kept up to date with it. Mm-hmm. And there's just so many coins that are out there. But I, what I really like about them is that the history, like the logos, uh, basically the picture that's on the back who's on the front and just knowing that it was a time and piece of history from back from that year. Yeah. You know, over a hundred years old, how many hands that's been in, Mm -hmm, maybe mm -hmm. not so many if you're a collector, but over time where that coin has been is pretty unique. Sure. And just the history behind it on the coin. And you, you deal strictly with just American coins or do you branch out into other countries and stuff? Yep. So I've got U S coins, but I've got a very small collection of other coins as well from other countries. I'm just not sure what ones because I don't know exactly. Yeah. But I'm just kind of guessing that some are silver, some are 
you can kind of guess maybe this looks like a penny or a nickel but no i i don't really collect other other countries for the most part it's mainly just u.s currency okay okay now i have seen ones where like the guys will go to the bank and they'll get rolls of quarters or rolls of pennies or whatever and then they'll They'll go through them and see if any of them are worth value. Do you do you ever do anything like that or not really? Yep. So I used to do that as well. I used to like exchange a twenty dollar bill yep. for so many rolls of quarters and whatnot or dimes. And, yeah. Okay. And for those for those listening who don't understand, can you explain the process through them? Yeah. So basically, what you would do is you would go through the coins from the bank. They would give you a roll of say quarters. There's like forty quarters would be ten dollars face value. And then you get the roll of quarters, you would look at all the dates on there, the mint mark, and you would see if there's any rare dates on there. Now, obviously, they're probably going to be probably 20, 30 years old, maybe some of the oldest ones in regular circulation. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised if you get some in like the 1950s and 60s because that's more or less when they uh, minted those coins with more silver content. Hmm. But basically... You would maybe also look for error coins because there's also like error coins where it might be a double stamp. It might have a error in the wording. For example, maybe there's a, a, a word that has two letters together, which is called an error coin. And those have a significant value as well. So you'd be surprised at how many people actually do that. I used to be more in the coins than paper money, but you can only have so many coins and so much space for it. So I kind of gave up on that, <laughs> but I do got a bunch of coins that I sorted and I know it's all a general change. Cause I looked at them all and I just like, Oh, anytime I need change, I just go in there. Cause I know it's regular change. It's you've, you've inspected all of it or looked through yeah. it already. I, I've inspected it. Yeah. So what is your most unique coin that you own? So the most unique coin that I own, I do have some Carson city Morgan dollars that are graded professionally and those ones i think are the rarest that i own like so carson city is that where it was minted yep carson city the cc little designation on the back of the coin that's just where it was minted in carson city okay and there's only a very small amount of coins that came from that mint okay okay and so they're more sought after or more rare and especially in mint state grades and I would say I do have some unique like one cent pieces. There's two cent pieces, three cent pieces. A lot of people didn't know that there was that many different types of coins out there. Sure. But back in the day there was, and then they obviously got discontinued. So I don't really have a preference, but I would say Morgan silver dollars. Like anytime that I see maybe a garage sale or an auction having those Mm -hmm. listed, it grabs my eye and that's what triggers me. Yeah, Yeah. I'm not a big fan necessarily of like collecting currency. Uh, in terms of like paper dollars sure you know there might be like a different color c like a blue or red but i do have a couple of those as well Hmm. which is pretty neat in like a little laminated envelope so it's kind of cool okay but yeah that's that's coin collecting in a nutshell is it a is it like ruthless (laughs) like when you go to a garage sale are people like fighting over coins so there are quite a bit of people like uh, there's even more people that uh, collectors will actually have like a magnifying glass getting all technical about the really? graded coins like Ooh. if they're just sitting out and they're not actually graded from a professional party they'll be looking at the magnifying glass trying to give it a grade themselves mm. so they can kind of get more of a notation of the, the value because even a one point grade scale 
from Min State, like say 64 to Min State 65, could be a difference of thousands of dollars on a rare coin. Oh wow! It could be. It could only be maybe a five dollar difference or a couple cents difference if you're talking low key coins mm-hmm. values. So it just depends what you're really after specifically. But yeah, there's there there tends to be a lot of people that look at those coins at garage sales and usually they're mon- kind of more monitored like under like a security cabinet or something like that oh. or glass window where you might have to ask to have them pulled out. Interesting. Cuz there, there there there's a lot of interest with them but then there's also a lot of value as well that comes with those of courses too. Mm, okay. If if there was a coin that you could get your hands on, what coin would that be? If I could get my hand on any coin, boy, I haven't done much thought with this, but it would be a coin back from the 1700s. Like my oldest coin, I think there might be some early 1800s, but I don't have okay. any coins back in the 1700 era that if I could have a coin that's back 200 plus years old, then would be pretty cool. Yeah. Just any coin, like preferably a silver coin, but if it was a penny as well, I would take a penny back from that time. Okay. Did you end up going to like a lot of conventions where they sold a lot of coins and all that? Did it was that something you enjoyed doing too? Yeah, so as far as conventions goes, I never really went to like coin shows and all that, but I did do auctions that frequently had coins, collectibles, guns, all that nature. Okay. And then I've also went, obviously, garage sales. I've seen a lot of uh, internet advertising with coins on such as like eBay Okay. that I've also built a collection off of there as well. So it's just kind of wherever I come and go, I see someone's got a coin. Or if I know somebody that says, hey, I've got a coin for sale. You know, this is maybe a gold $20 eagle or whatever. You know, I'm looking at selling it. Are you interested? I know you're interested in, in the coins. Hmm. And it's like, well, let me see if I've got enough money. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can and imagine it could be quite expensive, <laughs> I would think. I mean, you know, there's hobbies and then there's expensive hobbies. And this sounds like a pretty expensive hobby. Yeah, there, th- this can be very expensive. Uh, this is why I kind of fell out of it because it's like when I was going to college, I was focused on studies and everything was expensive, obviously with tuition, room and board. And the coin collecting, too, was just an expensive thing on the side where it's like, well, I can still do it. But I need to do it more at a leisurely pace because mm. I was going almost every other week I got paid. I was going to auctions. I'm like, all right, well, what oh, coins wow. am I getting this time? Yeah. Jeez, yeah. Uh, and I was that like shopping <laughs> the entire paycheck away. I'm like, I can't be doing this because it's like my next semester is going to come and I'm going to be out of money. Yeah. 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 What am I going to do? Huh. Okay. Well, folks out there, um, if, you know, you come across or you've been sitting on a, a coin from the 1700s, get a hold of uh, – Frederick over Make here. Make this man's dream come true. Absolutely. Yes, so ladies and gentlemen. So when you're not out collecting coins, though, um, you're out in nature looking for coins while <laughs> chopping down trees? Is that yes. what it is? No? The gross <laughs> generalization, but I like, the, I like the transition. Trying to do a segue. I, know, I like the transition. Yeah. Like no, but you you guys, yep. your family or, or whatever, you guys, you sell firewood? Yeah, so 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 basically, yeah. When we're not basically out in nature looking for coins, we might be wait, look, wait, we wait, might wait, be looking wait. for. Do what? you actually look for coins in nature? You do. <laughs> like, do you have like a metal detector and stuff like that yeah. too? Dude, so I, I do. so yeah, want to yeah, do, do that. This. I want to do that. There we go. So I do have a metal detector. Normally, it's like at a park. Like normally, if it's there's like a a picnic or something going on for the weekend, 
you know, usually after that's all cleaned up and out, everyone's got all their tents out of there. We'll just take the metal detector. We'll run it through the park and we'll be like, well, let's see if there's some change that someone's dropped. Because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times it's usually just like bottle bottle caps to like beer bottles. Sure, sure. Beer or tabs. it's some other things. It's like, ah, oh, it's not a coin. Well, OK, it was fun anyways. It beeped a lot. You and know. it cleaned it up, which is something good. And we cleaned right. it up. Is right. Job, right. I usually put it in like a little bag or my pocket. I didn't just throw it back in the floor because <laughs> it would beep again. It's yep, like, yep. well, let's figure out and see how many coins I can find. And there, there was a time where I found quite a few coins. But a lot of times, like just when I'm walking too, like I'll see a penny and sometimes I won't even pick it up if it's tails up because I believe that's bad luck. So, <laughs> you know what my wife does? What the? She'll literally flip it over so that someone else's day is lucky. She, I don't believe in any of that she stuff. She will find a penny. If, if, if there's a penny up, that's, that's, that's tails up, she'll, flip she'll it just flip it over and, she'll and leave just it leave it there. Interesting. Yeah. So, so she, she takes on the bad luck? Is that why? Being no, because she, she didn't pick it up. At least so far we haven't had bad luck. I hope that's not a thing. She's like, wow, she's really she's like stacking out of all the bad luck, luck in the world. She's like, <laughs> I'm gonna have to talk to her. This. I got good. this. Hey, uh, okay, so I, that was a new development, by the way. I was I was kind of in jest saying my, that my you're dad has looking, a, uh, I a metal, metal detector, detector, and I've always wanted to like go to the beach and do it. Ooh. You know, like because then they do it, and then you can get like those rakes, and then it kind of picks it up, and everything falls through. But the I coins, like that. yep. And, like, and who knows, there's maybe. a lot of lakefront here. Oh gosh, I don't know if you're aware of that. Well, a little bit. So, are you hoping to find the X, like buried treasure? <laughs> I mean, you I, could find. I don't think it's a <laughs> Necklaces. You could find watches, yeah. earrings, rings. Anything. You never know what kind of jewelry you're gonna find with that. You'll find anything metal. Hmm. Yeah. Anything, and you can set the sensitivity higher or lower. Mm-hmm. So the higher, obviously, the sensitivity is. So what's the coolest thing? I mean, I know. Lower. I know coins is a big deal for you, but like, what would you think is the coolest thing that you've ever found metal detecting? Metal detecting, the coolest thing I think I've ever found. Boy, there was a bunch of different things. And this was back in the day. I didn't do it recently, so I, I don't remember. But I think I found a bicentennial quarter. I actually found, yeah, a wow. bicentennial quarter, um, which was crazy because it's like well first of all it's a quarter it's one of the better face value coins that you could find sure sure and then secondly to have that bicentennial be a special kind of side know it which was like a 1976 i believe yep that's true was pretty neat i'm like well this is pretty cool to find that i'm like well i I expected it to obviously just be a normal quarter i'm looking at the back side i'm like hang on a sec is this even a quarter yeah and sure enough i look at it i'm like this is a bicentennial it's pretty cool and I, i i can't remember if i ever found anything cooler but that was for coin wise, probably the best. Yeah, thing. I'd say. Hmm. All right, so y- you you're taking a break from from metal detecting, and you see just a pile of wood. You see a pile, of, a big old chopped down tree. You know what? He probably thinks of it as money. Well, he's a smart guy. Yeah, turn it into money. Absolutely. Yep. So you you and your family Absolutely. you sell firewood. Yep. So we actually do sell firewood. We've been selling firewood for the past, I'd say, 10 years now at least. Wow. And we basically sell it to, like, campers or whoever wants to buy, you know, a slot of wood. We sell it for, like, $5. So, basically, it's, like, about a wheelbarrow's worth of wood all split up. And if I can get my hands on firewood, normally I don't have to look far because recently we just had a big tornado come through. Oh, that's right. uh, About three or four years ago that just basically took – our entire backyard and like turned it sideways oh wow jeez. Oh, and yeah there was even a huge tree that fell on my dad's black ram truck <laughs> and unfortunately that's completely totaled out 
And so we're still cleaning up and cutting down the trees. And I'm, I'm basically, he, he basically gets the saw and cuts up the trees. And I will pretty much take care of the log splitting. Do you have a log splitter or are you the log splitter? Yep. Both. We do. <laughs> yep. Yep. All do. of the above. Sir. Wow. We do. We do have a log splitter. It's not a big one, but yeah. it's about a 10 to 12 ton, I would say, log splitter. So it'll handle pretty much any tree that we have in our yard, at least. Okay. And if there is a log that I can't handle or roll up to the log splitter, or if the splitter just doesn't want to split it because of the grains, uh, we will split it, or I will split it by hand with wedges. And then once I get it quartered out or whatever, then I can handle it. Then the splitter typically is more friendly with it. And I split them down to probably like 14 to 16 inch logs. And I have a lot of fun with it. It's basically pretty time consuming, but it is a great workout. And it, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just the way that wood splits, like the sound of it, or if it's just the fascination of like splitting wood. But ever since my dad said, hey, you know, you want to split some wood after there was a down tree and he had a log splitter, I believe he got it at an auction and it still runs as of to this day. He just had me pretty much take on that role after he showed me how to use it, and it was a, it was a, it was really a lot of fun. So Jeff, as as he's talking, yeah, are you making the connection I am right now? Like you're looking at his face. You know who I see? Paul Paul Bunyan. No, <laughs> a young Abraham Lincoln. Oh, is that right? My goodness, you got the he's got those sharp jaw bones, and he's got the the scruff. On his face there. Mm-hmm. All he needs is a top hat. Well, Yep. And then grow it out a little bit more. Yeah. Wow, dude. We're talking to young Abraham Lincoln. Uh, wasn't it like Jefferson <laughs> had like a cherry tree thing too, right? Didn't chop down trees? Uh, cherry tree. That was that was George Washington, right? Was it? <sighs> I was, it's like a myth. It's, like it's not a real story. I, like I, yeah, I it's something about telling a lie or whatever. Okay. I can't tell a lie. I think it might have been. Anyways, um, <laughs> so you are just muscle man chopping down trees and, you know, making firewood and whatnot. <laughs> Does the DNR appreciate this? Do they even know? Do they care? So so I think the rules and regulations are is you just can't have – you can't import or export firewood out of mm-hmm. the um, – County? or County. It, okay. County. X amount of miles or – yeah, it's a good. I'm not sure. It's yeah. one of the two. <clears throat> it's it's for the bugs and stuff. Right? Yeah, but either yeah. way, no right. one's knocked on your door saying, "Hey, please stop doing this." No, no, oh, good. yeah, because they're like I said, like in our in our backyard, we have we we live on about an acre of okay. of property, and so there most of it is semi wooded back there with mm-hmm. a garden and all that. So we have plenty of firewood as it is, but otherwise we have a family friend who lives near the kettles where okay. he just basically says, hey, if you need firewood or you want to come over, he says, you can bring your chainsaw and you can saw any tree you want wow. down. Okay. And he's got a big yard. I don't know how many acres, but he's got a lot of down trees and trees he just wants to clean up. Cool. And so basically we've got enough wood supplied for a long time. Probably can't even use it all mm-hmm. uh, before it actually rots out. So, and if it does get to that point, I, I'll just pretty much burn it on, like, weekends on board or something. We'll just start to fire up and just throw some wood There's in the fire. There's nothing wrong with a bonfire. <laughs> you know, maybe. Oh, summertime is my favorite thing to start a bonfire on Friday night and it not end until Monday morning when I have to go to work. Oh, it's my great. favorite thing. It's great. I mean, even in the winter time, like, just get, like, a wood stove oh, otherwise. my goodness. Burn it up. It's a great thing. Like, I, I like, I enjoy fires, especially later at night when it gets dark. Bugs are out. It keeps the bugs away. Mm-hmm. It could be a little cooler. It's it's perfect. So so 
Ladies and gentlemen, if you're about to go camping or you just need some firewood in the Sheboygan County area, come on through to Cascade, right? Is that where you're at? Are you right on 28? I'm right on 28. You're on that, is it that Cascade. little red thing like off to the, what, the south side of the road on the main drag of Cascade? Um, it's like right before. It's not a red house. No, not a house. Is it like a little red thing that you put all the little wood hut. in? Like, yeah. yeah. So so it is, a, it is like a Packer wood stand. So okay. it's like a Green Bay Packer. It's like yellow oh, nice. and green colors. You know like which way I'm going home today? Right past it. Right, right past, past it. it. I'm going to check this out. Well, because my aunt and uncle live right by Cascade, and I think it's right there. That's why I'm curious. Okay. Right. Keep going. And it's basically not out for sale right now. I was going to do it this weekend, but I'm like, well, it's still a little cold yet. So well, you wanted to look for coins. Wanted to look for <laughs> coins. There <laughs> yes, you go. Exactly. I was busy doing looking for coins. Mm-hmm. And I still have it. it. You will see it as you drive by. It's right on the sidewalk. Love it. So if you are driving by and you see it. <laughs> is it on the main drag? Where it, can people find this thing? Yep. It is right on Highway 28, right downtown. It's actually right up from the gas station. Kay. So you have a gas station. You'll have a studio just up the road from there, a Wild West studio that used to have been a church. Huh. Yep. And then my house is basically like four or five houses up on the opposite side of the road. A Green Bay Packers stand. A Green Bay Packers wood stand, yes. Love it. Okay. And it's more or less the honor system. So if you don't want to pay for the wood, <laughs> just don't come and load up your junk. This, this it's fine, fine young man here we got plenty took of wood. the time to chop and enjoy the sound of the wood splitting. So it's high-quality wood <laughs> that you can burn. Lovingly split. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, do not stiff this man. Oh. Here it is right here. Yeah. Oh, I wait, found I, it. I wow. found it. Jeff just right there. I know that spot. <gasps> I know that spot. That's it. See, Google Maps for the win, boy. Dude. You, you even got a picture of it. That is yep. so cool. We'll, uh, I'll, I'll right. screenshot it. Good. And then we can. All right. Yeah, make sure you got the address in there. <laughs> <laughs> That's where the coins are kept. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, but, uh, but so great. Fred, this was yeah. this was great. I was really, great. I hope that the second shift pack team is impressed with all of the things that you need. I, I give credit. To Fred for his his passion regarding all of his hobbies. Absolutely, like, mm-hmm. I like that you're all in on it. I yeah. like that. Like yep. a lot of people do a lot of different hobbies, and it's like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Fred went all in. He did. He's, he's, yeah, absolutely. I, you know, Fred, I could sit and BS with you all day. I really could. And not that this was BS, but <laughs> literally, I could sit <laughs> I mean, and chat with really you all day. I, you're just, uh, you're, you're literally a gem. Yeah. Yeah, I, I want to thank you for opening the podcast too, because Joe and I, it's one of the, <laughs> one of our the the crux of this this podcast. We do it every time. We look at each other and it gets stale, and we know it. But Fred, m- Fred took it upon Fred's himself. Like, I'm done with you guys. He's like, I'll do it. I'm done. I, with I you. got it. And I, Joe and I were just like, Yeah, we're gonna go it. to the bathroom or something. And, and then, then we, we left. came back, and Fred's like, This is my podcast, <laughs> and he had owned. And it. then we ruined it. Yeah. <laughs> But, well, that's all right. Um, Fred, you can seriously come on anytime um, and chat with us again about uh, any of your current hobbies. Or, I mean, we've had conversations already where you um, were going to be a weatherman at one point. Um, some or people a think officer. Yeah, some people think that you're literally in the FBI. Uh, yes. Now, I think more so Secret Service because when it comes to money, the Secret Service actually was created to. Um, 
you know, watch over the money of, of America. Did you know that? Jeff? I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. Their I main the role is se- the secret service. They're actually their main role. Well, what we know about is that they protect the president. Yep. That's what I thought. But one of their main roles is to watch for counterfeit hmm. monies. Yeah. So the fact that you're doing that makes me wonder, Fred, <laughs> if there's any truth to He's been recruited based on the, his, the legend of Fred his uh, numerous safes inside of his secret bunker. Yeah, absolutely. At the bank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Fred, seriously, you can come on anytime. You could host your own podcast for yep. our, for all we the know. Fred but hour. The Fred. Ooh, I like that. I like that a lot. But but for now, if you wouldn't mind closing us out for today. Yes, this is Frederick Meyer. And you have been listening to another episode of Off the Clock, a podcast made the Johnsonville way. Yeah.